That's WERU New Volunteer Orientation on the third Thursday of every month, 6 to 8 p.m., right here at our East Orland studios. Please call 469-6600 or email info at weru.org to reserve your spot. Support for WERU health-related programming comes from the Penobscot Bay Press, committed to providing community news and information, publishing three weekly newspapers, the Weekly Packet, Island Advantages, the Casting Patriot, the annual Bay Community Register, the Summer Seasonal Guide, and more. Also on the web at www.penobscotbaypress.com. Information presented in the following program represents the opinions of the participants and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician before undertaking any treatment or therapy. The time is 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill and streaming online around the world at WERU.org. Healthy Options with your host, Cynthia Swan, is up next. Hi, this is Cynthia Swan. Welcome to Healthy Options. Today, we're going to talk about how to get that sugar monkey off your back. My guest is Holly Noonan. Holly is a holistic health and nutrition counselor. Uh, Six years of world travel followed by six years of chronic illness inform Holly's unique approach that frames our modern lifestyle habits in cultural and historical context. Her compelling message weaves together information from deep history and far-flung corners of the world and then ties it into how it touches your life directly, right now. Her clients have described her as well-informed, fun, sassy, insightful, and passionate. As a public speaker, Holly is a dynamic, approachable, inspirational, and pragmatic provider. Holly, can be, uh, you can look at her on the net on mindbodynutrition.net, and she's currently in Camden, phone number 975-9442, and Holly, H-O-L-L-Y, at mindbodynutrition.net, and we'll give that to you again a little later. Welcome, Holly. Thank you, Cindy. Well, let's, let's uh, dive into this. All right. Uh, let's talk about the white stuff, okay? <laughs> the white refined sugar. What effect does white refined sugar actually have on our body? Okay, the, the effects are many, but I'd say probably the most serious effect is that it messes with your hormones, okay? Um, if you think about what uh, your pancreas is doing, it's creating... Um, uh, it's reacting to all the food that you eat hormonally and particularly the sugar with um, insulin. When you're kind of assaulting your pancreas over and over with sugar, you're, it can actually start to get exhausted. I, I liken it to uh, a single mom with three kids. You know, when you have yeah. the sugar habit, <laughs> your pancreas gets so exhausted that what can end up happening is that it works sporadically and, 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 um, and the insulin isn't produced as consistently and your cells can actually physically change so that the walls become thicker so that the insulin can't unlock the door of the wall of your cell so that the sugar can get into the cells. And what that means is your the plasma between the cells in your bloodstream can actually get thicker like syrup 
And mm. that's when, uh, when people have diabetes and they start having problems with their extremities, it's usually with the tiniest capillaries in their, in their bodies, in their eyeballs, in their kidneys, in their fingers and toes. That's because the capillaries are actually getting clogged with this syrupy blood and, uh, and the functioning is stopping. So it's like the blood is too thick. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, um, well, in, in terms of white sugar, how much is too much? How, how, how much, of, and we're just talking white sugar, we'll talk about all the other sugars and substitutes and whatnot, but, but in terms of, um, well, maybe sugar in general, how, how, how do you know when too much of it is a good thing or a bad thing? How does that work? Okay. Well, I mean, I really like to answer that question by, you know, looking at our deeper history because, um, while it seems really common right now to have sugar pretty frequently, when you look at our ancestors, you know, they didn't have it. They didn't have it at all. And so if you're wondering if you're having too much, like how much is too much, you can pretty much assume that if you're a modern American, you're having it too much. Because when you look back, I mean, think about this. Sugar, cane sugar is not an ancestral food for anyone a hundred thousand years ago, human beings did not have it. Ten thousand years ago, we didn't have it. One thousand years ago, we didn't have access to sugar. Nobody did. No humans did. And then about seven hundred years ago, uh, the royalty in Europe discovered it. Right. But so in the year thirteen hundred, it cost about a year's wages to buy a pound of sugar. Wow. So it was only available to wealthy people. And then over the next 700 years, largely due to slavery, it became more affordable. Because of the sugarcane fields. Right. Uh, it, it's indigenous to India and Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And it was the Ottomans who uh, originally got into sugar. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, when, when uh, the Iberian Peninsula was um, inhabited by Moors, they brought the sugar with them. And then when they left, when they were kicked out by the crusaders, you know, the Christians found it, the Spanish and the Portuguese found it, and it Mm. became a habit in in Europe. And, you know, Lord help us all. (laughs) That was the beginning and the end. (laughs) But (laughs) but, um, when you look at at how, okay, in the year 1700, the average American— actually consumed only about four pounds a year of sugar, four pounds. In the year 1900, 200 years later, it was up to 65 pounds. Guess what it is now? I have no idea. 170 pounds. The average? Average per American American per year. Is 170 pounds of sugar? 170 pounds of all sweeteners. Half of this in in the United States is high fructose corn syrup. Because it's in everything. Right, right. But 170 pounds of sweeteners. So, I mean, think about that. That is a 4,200% increase in just 300 years. This is cellular whiplash. Wow. Our, our ancestors really did not have access to this kind of sweeteners. When you look at the um, ancestral sweeteners, it's maple syrup. It's honey. You know, it was something that was available seasonally or you had to go through a lot to get, you know, like, for example, honey. You had to risk right. fruit in season. Fruit right? in season, yep. Um, but uh, it wasn't isolated. It wasn't refined like cane sugar is. I mean, there are probably were people that used the cane plant, but they didn't have a way to isolate the, uh, the sucrose from, from the fiber. And that's one of the biggest issues is that it's so isolated from the nutrients and the minerals and the fiber 
that it has it has a biochemical effect on your body. It differs, for, you know, different bodies react to it differently. But for some people, there is a psychoactive element to this. You know, it really triggers an addictive uh, compulsion. Um, some people don't get triggered like that with the addictive compulsion, but it is an addictive uh, substance, absolutely. Yeah, I remember that years back, that book, Sugar Blues, mm -hmm. written about how it's addictive. So, yeah, so um, why do we crave it? And, and, and um, you know, because I've also uh, read that, uh, you know, there's an inherent desire for sweet, mm -hmm. you know, when you're an infant, you know, yeah. mother's milk, there's this inherent desire for sweet. Mm -hmm. So how does this um, desire for sweet go into craving, you know, sugar and then how does that pull, you know, pull us into the addiction where it's like you got to have it to mm -hmm. function? Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's two layers uh, to that, to answer that. And the first is really emotional. You know, our first taste of any food in the world is mother's milk, hopefully. Mm -hmm. If we weren't breastfed, if we didn't have a nurturing childhood, if we didn't get enough closeness and connection, um, we can crave sweetness because of that, because of a feeling of emotional lack. Like there's a lack of sweetness oh, in your life? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's true. And then uh, physiologically, I mean, it's sort of the same as opium. Like we have natural opiate receptors in our body so that we can fight pain. Um, and when we are introduced to a refined uh, version of this opium, we like it a lot, you know, like, of course, because our body has receptors for it. So it's the same with sugar. Like we have sweetness receptacles in our body that physically uh, it feels good to eat it. You know, it feels good temporarily, though. Just and then you take the dive. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you have to do more. It, right. It's like the cycle, the caffeine sugar cycle, I exactly. call it. Exactly. It's like yep. you got to get the caffeine to boost you up, mm -hmm. you, you know, and then you... And then you have a drop at 3 p.m. when you're about to fall asleep, so you got to have some sugar to keep you Some awake. sugar, and then you have a drop, <laughs> and then you have to have more caffeine. It's okay. like that, doesn't it, isn't it interesting how those kind of cycle together? Absolutely, yeah. Of course, caffeine, the chocolate has a fair amount of caffeine? It's mostly theobramine, which is another stimulant and a tiny bit of caffeine, but it definitely is stimulating. So and I, I actually find that caffeine, sugar, and alcohol go together because people often wake up, they want a little stimulation, so they go for the caffeine and the sugar, and then at night they need to wind down, so they have a little alcohol, and it's a cycle that feeds itself because when you have alcohol at night, you need caffeine in the morning. So they kind of, when you remove them all, it's easier to keep them out of your diet, but when, they, when one of them comes back in, Boy, they all like to come back in together. So there's like this uh, symbiotic uh, relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, interesting. Um, so how do you get that sugar monkey off your back? I mean, what are, what are the strategies that you tell your, your, uh, your clients? Well, that's a great question. I have um, a, a handout that I created called Holly's Top 10 Ways to Get the Sugar Monkey Off Your Back. I actually put put it up on my website so that listeners can download it for free. You just go to my website, mindbodynutrition.net forward slash free dash stuff, and you can find it there. Um, I have, it's like a, t a count top 10 countdown of uh, ways, and I start with um, doing gentle stuff. So basically you want to support your body to uh, c you know, cultivate balance 
it never works long term to just like wrestle stuff out of your body with willpower. You know, that's always temporary. That's dieting, you know, and people who diet end up gaining weight over time. So uh, what I advocate is you try gently sweet food, like like fruits. And when, when I'm talking about fruit, I often personally lean towards less ripe fruit, like greenish bananas and um, kiwis are... Now, why? Why would it be less ripe? Um, really ripe bananas are, that's a real sugar hit, you know, that can, oh, yeah. and uh, bananas are high on the glycemic index. You're right. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm kind of oh, aiming okay. at is like eating low on the glycemic index, which means foods that don't give your blood sugar a spike. Okay. Cause again, when you're spiking your blood sugar, you're triggering insulin. Insulin is a hormone and your all, your entire endocrine system is connected. When you're messing with one hormone, it throws the rest of your hormones out. It contributes to adrenal fatigue. It can mess with your sex hormones, your thyroid, your pituitary. Because it's all interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. So sugar is, getting sugar out is one of the number one ways you can contribute to hormonal health and stability, which we all need because we have so many endocrine endocrine disruptors in our environment right right now. We need to really be aware. Right. So um, top 10 ways to get the sugar monkey off your back, eating gently sweet fruit, uh, food like fruit and root vegetables, particularly like sweet potatoes, parsnips, carrots, and onions. These are wonderful because they are um, grounding in their kind of their yang food in the in the scale of yin and yang, as opposed to sugar, which is extremely yin food. Okay, so if you're going to talk about that, talk, talk about what you mean by uh, the scale of yin and yang for food. Okay, all food has an energetic. When you put it into your body, it it interacts with your body energetically, not just you know molecularly. Um, and you can tell if you close your eyes right now and you think back physically, the physical memory of last time you had too much coffee or too much sugar. Um, you might notice that it's jittery, kind of nervous, kind of kind of bubbly. And if you keep your eyes closed and um, think about the last time, for example, you ate too much deep-fried seafood, that would feel kind of heavy. And like a, you, got, you swallowed a tank. <laughs> yeah, you got to go lie down. The first one is sort of an upward feeling, you know, the caffeine. It's kind of a bubbling upward feeling. And the, the second one is more of a downward feeling. Okay, the downward is yang. And the upward is yin. Okay. And um, you notice it most easily with extreme foods. But when you, get, when you get your body tuned up, you can really notice it with subtle foods. So dead center in the middle, neutral, would be whole grains like brown rice or quinoa. Um, and then gentle upward uh, growing vegetables like kale or lettuce is gentle yin. And then downward growing vegetables like carrots and parsnips is gentle yang. And um, sort of the principle of macrobiotics is yeah. that you you try to um, encompass both. You kind of have every meal is pretty much balanced, yin and yang. So g- just give me an example. I know I'm segueing here. <laughs> give me an example of a balanced meal. Okay. That would be um, a macrobiotic meal with um, kale, parsnips, and brown rice. Okay. So it's promote, you're promoting the vegetarian or the vegan? Macro is often pretty vegan. They do introduce some fish. fish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I tried it myself and it's not appropriate for my body type. It's not appropriate for everybody, you know, but for some people it can really make them sing. 
Yeah, yeah. I, that that's the other interesting thing that some of these diets are appropriate for one, but not some people need to have right their omnivore. You know, or, exactly. So they have. You to need have, to honor that. Absolutely, you need to honor that. But it's true that every single human being could do with less cane sugar. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, drinking a tall glass of water at room temperature, filtered water every morning just after you get up. Okay. So before your tea or coffee. That can really have a profound impact on your cravings at 3 o'clock. And what's interesting, it's different for everybody, but what's interesting is it can um, have an impact. Everybody's dehydrated when you wake up. Mm -hmm. And often when you're having a craving, it can be that you're thirsty and you're not noticing that you're thirsty. So if you, if you eliminate that possibility, it can actually have a pretty big impact on your cravings. Well, it reminds me of the Ayurvedic um, model that talks about the warm uh, water mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the lemon, yeah. which a lot of people think is acidic, but actually it's alkaline. Yeah, it is alkaline well and it's cleansing. That's right. Yeah. So room temperature to warm is, is best. Is best. Yeah. Ice and, water, not good for you. Yeah. And wh- why is that? Why is the, the cold drink, it's something about, what what, what does it do to our... Digestion or something. Yeah, something it slows about down your it slows down your digestion. So you want what you want is good, healthy, strong digestive fire. And putting ice cubes just dampens out fire. Yeah, which makes sense from that perspective. And then, um, what about uh, with meals? Um, Should one drink with that meals? That depends. That depends. I mean, uh, you know, there are different schools of thought. For right. this. You really have to figure out what works for you. Macrobiotic people advocate drinking less than mm-hmm. way less than yeah. I feel is good for me. Yeah. Um, um, but it, it's true. Like personally, I, I struggle with having really strong digestive fire. So I try to cultivate my digestive fire by uh, doing food combining and um, not drinking a lot while I'm eating. I'll drink before or after, but not, but not during not the meal. During so the that meal. you can, so all can, those digestive enzymes can go to work right. without being watered down, right. so to and speak. I, and I also add fermented foods, which is another one on this list. Adding fermented foods to your diet, like uh, raw sauerkraut or kombucha, if you can find it, because it's not on the shelf. I anymore. know. Can you believe <laughs> what know. happened? I know. I read low that. Thank you very much. I read that. Art. I used to go to the co-op, and well, I make it. You can make it. Yeah. And um, and it's easy to make. I know Andre uh, did a show on healthy options and had a mm-hmm. wonderful guest on, and he was telling people how to make kombucha. Uh-huh. So you can make it mm-hmm. when you get that bacteria, and right. I make it at home. Uh, they have it back at Hannaford. I've noticed that they, but not the the real, not the GT. real good, yeah, not GT, like which was sits, the awesome. That's the awesome. One. That was the awesome. That the G, was the, the real The synergy deal. is a little bit too sweet, and to me, it's like, how if it's sweet? Yeah, are the bacteria like, working? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the synergy is too sweet. But yeah. I like the regular. But um, they do have the one with oolong tea, uh-huh. which, uh, but I think it has some sweetener in it because it's uh, like pear and, mm-hmm. and lemon. So I would suspect like, there's some sweetener in yeah, that boutique kombucha. Yeah, boutique <laughs> like that. <laughs> but it's true that if you have fermented foods and, and you know. Well, kimchi, and, sauerkraut. Yes, right. Um, the dairy ones count too. Yogurt and kefir, those count. Yogurt and kefir. And then um, even, what what about, what's your stand on the apple cider vinegar? That's, that's great. Yeah, okay. that's wonderful. The, the apple cider vinegar with the mother, quote unquote, that's what you want. That definitely helps, uh, helps your digestion and your digestive flora. So to take that before or? Um... Because there's different schools of thought. I mean, one of the schools of thought uh, that I've read is about the um, <clears throat> about a tablespoon or two of organic apple cider vinegar in room temp water. Yeah. And drink it down before mm-hmm. you have your meal. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> All right. So I, I guess you just got to see what works for you. Right. Somebody yeah. might call in later and say, that doesn't work. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's another thing that seems like it would be acidic, but it's actually alkalizing. So um, replacing refined products like your bread and pasta with the whole grain counterparts. And if you're already eating the whole grain counterparts, replacing the bread and pasta with whole grains, like an entire bowl of whole grains, not not the refined version. So, And the definition of a whole grain, which I'd really like to inform the government of when you go onto the USDA website, it's exasperating what they describe as a whole grain. A whole grain is a seed that you can put in the ground and it will grow. Okay. If mm-hmm. it doesn't have life force, it's not a whole grain. Oatmeal is not a whole grain. It's been smushed. And it actually, you can feel it. When you get your body tuned up, you can actually feel energetically the difference between eating something that has life force and something that does not. So give a couple examples of whole grain breakfast cereal. Okay. A bowl of oat groats or quinoa or brown rice I or buckwheat. These are things that I have. Amaranth. Amaranth right. is wonderful. I I just do, I dress it up like a like a porridge, you know, with uh, butter and maple syrup and nuts and and blueberries. It's wonderful. Okay. What about the group, the raw foodies, who say to soak those nuts overnight so that they're better on the digestion? And there's something coating the nuts that inhibits digestion. I forget what the. Mm-hmm. If you are in poor health, and your digestive system needs that kind of support, then you can go to that effort. I found that it didn't make a big difference for me, and I like my nuts roasted. Okay. Okay, interesting. Just never roasted with uh, oil. <clears throat> you always want dry roasted nuts. So you, how do you dry roast them? You just put them in your oven? Yeah, or you, you know, buy them roasted dry, but you just make sure they have not been roasted in like sunflower, safflower, cottonseed oil, which often they can be. Just want to watch for that. Okay. You don't want the trans fat stuff. Yeah, that's not trans fat. It's not hydrogenated if they're roasted in oil, but it's refined oil that you don't really want in your body. Refined. Okay. The, I mean, the benefit of eating nuts is that you're getting unrefined oils in the nuts, which you need, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're putting refined oils on, on top, then it kind of kills the benefit. It's kind of <laughs> taking the benefit away. We'll give you this and pull this back. Right, exactly. Um, and... Next on my list is avoiding really salty food because salt is, uh, you know, that's a very yang food. And basically you can, your body swings between yin and, yin and yang like, like a, a pendulum. And you can push the pendulum by eating extreme food. And that extreme means like, you know, a 16-ounce porterhouse steak, <laughs> which some people try to balance with a salad and a glass of wine, which are both yin foods. But instead of eating... Ex- like balancing your extreme food. What you know? Here's an or example. Or eat a smaller portion. Or a smaller portion. Yeah. You know, if if you down a whole pint of ice cream, which my God, we've all done many times. Sometimes you might find yourself in the kitchen after that looking for potato chips. Right. You know, because you're yeah, trying to balance sugar, yourself. Salt thing. Right. The sugar salt things. You can swing like a monkey from one to the other. And so if you're o- avoiding really sweet food and really salty food, then it's easier to avoid sugar. Okay. Makes sense. Um, and my next tip is to have emergency food. There's no reason to ever get hungry. So what's emergency food? That's kind of, that's Lara bars or raw revolution bars that you can have in your car, you have in your purse, you just have around. So if you find yourself, you know, out and around and your only option is to st- you know, stop at the stop and go and pick something up. (laughs) The emergency food is so you don't get crazy hungry and make bad decisions. And you just always have something around. Like I just always have, you know, this stash of emergency 
emergency food around. So, so is that is that like is a Laura bar or whatever? Is that better than having you know? vegetable sticks or no not necessarily but if you're planning well like you know and this is something that I definitely try to do is I I plan I try to have a basket full of fresh food with me um but if I don't yeah or sometimes I, I like, like to have backup yeah sometimes it's just not doable right right, right. it's okay. not pragmatic right so it's always good to have backup you know, okay. so that you're not relying on the industrial commodity food, which is the only thing that's avail- available to you when you're driving around in your car. Right. Like Lara bars are great because, for example, the cashew Lara bar has only two ingredients, and they're raw. It's cashews and dates. And that's it. Then that's it. How's it held together? The dates. Oh, yeah, because the, the, yeah, they're, they're sweet and sticky. Right. So it's, a, it's low glycemic index because the sugar that's present in the dates has to be you know, extracted by your body from the fiber of the dates, and it's also digested in the presence of the oil in the nuts. So it slows down the sugar going into your bloodstream. So it doesn't give you a sugar high. Okay, so I have a raw food recipe I'm going to share, and I want to know what you think of this, okay? okay? Mm-hmm. And I learned this from a raw foodie person. So it's almond butter mm-hmm. with um, dates, mm-hmm. and uh, is it Keiko? Cacao. Cacao. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Cacao, that Mayan superfood chocolate. It, and is it nibs or powder? It's powder. Okay. And then you just take that and you roll it into a ball. Yum. And uh, that's like a satisfies sweet tooth mm-hmm. and it has fat in it. Mm-hmm. So it satiates. And it's also a goodie. What, what's your take on something like that? I made them and I love them. I've oh, added okay. cacao nibs to them. Oh, all right. Which is, um, the nibs are, in, in my book, a little better than the... Just the plain powder because the powder has had the fat taken out of it. Okay. And the nibs are a whole food. This is the raw chocolate. Ah, and so nibs super better. high antioxidant. This is the highest antioxidant food available to you. It's ten times antioxidants of blueberries. And this is a sweet food that's okay to eat. Yeah, it's great. But still in moderation, I right. would imagine. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did we hit everything on your list? Um, no, the, the next three most important ones back off on caffeine, ah. caffeines mess with your blood, b- messes with your blood sugar and right. triggers, you know, sugar cravings. Eat breakfast. Don't not eat breakfast. <laughs> and so, okay. So a lot of people have said this. I hear this a lot. I'm not hungry at breakfast. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. just not hungry. Right. And, and so two things, what would you call breakfast, a breakfast meal? Mm-hmm. I think the groats, the, the porridge would be one. Mm-hmm. But what um, what are some other breakfast options for meals? When you say eat breakfast, are you talking about eggs, bacon, and hash browns? And Sure. If they're free-range eggs from chickens that are able to, you know, pick in the grass, eat grass and bugs, this is high-quality food. You know, this is, uh, the, those eggs are completely different than eggs that come from a commercial operation. Like the guy who's under uh, investigation now, oh. who got kicked out of Maine. Don't even get me started on <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, really. <laughs> you won't go there. Right. Um, um, eggs Buy are local. Great. <laughs> yeah. Eggs are, are wonderful breakfast. Two eggs in, in every day have, has absolutely no impact whatsoever on your blood cholesterol. It's a myth that they're not good. Yeah, for because you're always told. I know cardiac patients are always told stay away from the eggs. Right. Look at your cholesterol. I disagree. I'm not a medical person, but um, I, I I vehemently disagree with that advice. I think that there are certain types of bodies that need to have protein in order to well, balance, this is, balance your blood sugar. This is Weston Price, what you're saying to right, me right now. Right. This is pure Weston Price, right. and that was his research. Right. Yeah. And um, and I was a vegetarian for 18 years. Mm. And it turned out that it wasn't 
appropriate for me. It was one of the things. It was one of the things that contributed to me developing a chronic illness and inhibited my healing. So I really needed to figure out how to get more protein into my body. I'm an O blood type, and it was, you know, it, I had to. Now that reminds me of Dion. Is it Diamo's work who did the blood type diet? Because the O's are the meat eaters. They're right. supposed to have meat. Right. And you, the, I think it's the A type that can be more vegan, mm-hmm. vegetarian. A little and more easy. Yeah. They can deal with that and can't deal with the meat as well. That's right. So it's interesting that even he talks about ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've always found that pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's quite all right. Um, for people who are not hungry when they wake up, I just want to um, – I just want to say that it's not constitutional. It's not something that is part of your hardwiring that you're not hungry when you wake up. You can be hungry. It's the sign of uh, a healthy uh, metabolism if you wake up hungry and within a half an hour you need to have a bowel movement. This is a healthy person. If you sleep hard and you wake up rested and you wake up hungry and then you have to have a bowel movement, that's a sign of being healthy. So if you're not hungry, You can mess with your habits a little bit to see if you can cultivate hunger by having a lighter dinner or um, not drinking alcohol. Just, you know, see what factors might be contributing to your lack of hunger and, you know, Well, some people snack. Some people snack after they have a dinner meal and then they snack in the evening. Right, right. If you go to bed uh, full, that can definitely contribute to whether or not you're hungry in the morning and you want to be hungry in the morning. Because breakfast is your most important meal. And what about this idea of... um, um, uh, um, of, of eating a big meal, or like the time you eat. Do, mm-hmm. do you have a stance on that? You mean the, sort of the Ayurvedic thing? Well, I mean, even like should you, you know, eating, some people eat dinner as late as 8, 8 p.m. at night. Mm-hmm. That depends on when you go to sleep, I think. Okay. Um, you know, if you're eating dinner at 8 and then going to sleep at 9, that's not ideal. But if you're going to sleep at midnight, that might be okay. Okay. So there's a lot of variability there. Mm. All right. And then the last one, this is the biggest one. This is like the secret weapon for getting the sugar monkey off your back. Eat greens. And I'm talking deep leafy greens like kale, collards, beet greens, Swiss chard, spinach. And the reason I say this is it is uncanny. This is a very powerful tool to getting sugar cravings to abide. The reason is that, okay, every piece of food that you put into your body creates your body you know it the molecules of this food go through your digestive tract out through your liver the molecules then become your blood cells and your tendons and your ligaments and your tissues and your brain cells and your ability to think when you are putting greens into your body not only are the molecules you know more lively in, in order to create your tissues but it's actually cleaning the filter as they go through Okay, so green, your greens are cleaning your liver as mm. they are digested. When you do that, you are actually changing your palate. You actually are changing what you're drawn to eat. Have you ever experienced a time when, you know, okay, three weeks ago you were into the Halloween candy and you were just going for the sugar and you wanted it. Every day you woke up, you wanted it. And then, you know, a couple, two, three weeks go by and you get out of the habit or whatever. And then you have some Halloween candy and it's too sweet. It doesn't, it doesn't taste good when just a few weeks ago it did. Yeah. I I find that with even certain foods like, you know, 
if you're like a Dorito junkie, I used to be like a Dorito junkie, and then you don't eat that, mm-hmm. and you start eating a different diet, and I go, I can't stand them now. That, they that's taste chemically. Di- it does. It tastes like I'm eating chemicals. That's, it's disgusting. That's what I'm talking about, because when you clean out your filter, you get more sensitive. You don't like what you used to like. And when you change what you like, that is the key. This is the key. It's not about willpower. If you want to get onto a healthy lifestyle kick, if you want to lose weight, if you want to live a more vibrant life, if you want to fulfill your potential as a human being, this is the key to it. You have to figure out how to change what you want to eat. Yeah, yeah. And and not even introduce, it's, I guess like a sugaraholic can be like an alcoholic. So you mm-hmm. can't, for a time at least, you can't have any. Um, we're we're going to take a quick break mm-hmm. and then we're going to come back and we're going to continue our conversation. We're talking about how to get the sugar monkey out of off your back with my guest, Holly Noonan. Um, of mindbodynutrition.net. We'll be back in a moment, and we'll also start accepting calls. Thanks. Welcome back. This is Cynthia Swan. You're listening to Healthy Options, and we're talking about how to get the sugar monkey off your back with um, mind-body nutrition counselor Holly Noonan, who um, can be reached at 975-9442, and currently her office is in, on Washington Street in Camden. You can email her at holly, H-O-L-L-Y, at mindbodynutrition.net. Um, we're also going to continue our conversation, but we welcome calls. So if you want to join in on the conversation, have a question or a comment, please feel free to call us, 1-866-625-9378. Again, 866-625-WERU. We'd love to hear from you. Hallie, um, what, let, let's talk about aspartame because mm-hmm. diet soda is loaded with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about that uh, aspartame and what what are the uh, issues surrounding that um, additive? To it's it's in all the diet sodas, I believe, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's um, NutraSweet and Equal contain aspartame. And uh, I, uh, a website I would direct your listeners to is uh, www.sweetpoison.com, and it's about the dangers of aspartame poisoning. You know, this is one of those things that you look behind the curtain, you see, okay, it was actually a political reason that it got onto the market. It was hung up in the FDA for like 15 years until there was a change in the leadership and then it was pushed right through. Hmm. And when you look at something like that, you think, hmm, you know, okay, now it's everywhere. And it turns out there are a lot of studies um, indicating that there are neurological symptoms associated with aspartame poisoning. These can include headaches, hearing loss, blurred vision, anxiety attacks, fatigue, 
tinnitus, which is like your ears ringing, hyperactivity, muscle cramps, PMS, dizziness, insomnia, even hallucinations and seizures. Mm. Um, they have noticed it um, a lot actually in Gulf War veterans. Now, why is that? Well, they're drinking, instead of drinking water, they're drinking soda. And instead of drinking regular soda, they're drinking diet soda and then immediately sweating out the liquid. So they're drinking just piles of diet soda. Wow. And they can accumulate these toxins in their body. Um, so it's um, my, my attitude around most food, but particularly alternative sweeteners, is how long has humanity been using it? Okay, they keep coming out with new ones. This one's even better. This one's even better. Like, okay, you think about the how many millennia we've been using honey, and maple syrup, and stevia. Stevia is actually an ancestral food from Paraguay. It's a plant. You can buy the plant at the farmer's market and have it in your house as a house plant and sweeten your smoothies with that. Like, you cannot get more natural than that. Wow. And when you look at the political firestorm around introducing stevia as a sweetener in this country, the reason they wanted to block it is that the aspirin industry was making trillions of dollars on their products. They didn't want the competition. So they only allowed stevia to be available to Americans as a quote unquote supplement, not as a sweetener. When it has been available in Japan, as a, it's been sweetening diet soda in Japan for like 20 years. Oh, wow. But it is an ancestral food. And, and that's, my, that's my litmus test. Like how long has humanity been using it? When we're, when we're talking about, uh, you know, aspartame, saccharin, sucralose, neotame, all that stuff, it, the answer is not very long at all. Not long enough. Mm-hmm. So try to avoid them. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, well, that, that takes me to the um, corn syrup. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we alluded to that earlier that um, I think just almost every processed food has mm-hmm. corn syrup in yeah. it. Yeah. Have you seen those commercials put out by the corn industry Everything is fine in moderation, just like sugar. It's fine. In mod- There's nothing wrong. It's all natural. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, man. No, I miss those. Oh, really? There's also a really great spoof on YouTube done by a drag queen. Oh, I, oh really? Yeah, if you can find that one, it's worth watching. It's hysterical. But um, to me, there are three strikes against corn syrup, and I'll just go through these real quick. One, okay, there's a... a Research uh, in the issue, uh, 2000 issue, 2007 issue of hepatology. Basically, they did a, a test with rats, giving them high fructose corn syrup versus regular sucrose, and it changed the rat's metabolism. It affected their liver function by causing increased formation of fat. So fatty liver. Yeah. So you're more likely that, you know, it, your liver processes it differently. The second strike against it in my book is that um, one-third of products, and this is a, a, a study from just 2009, one-third of products that contain high-fructose corn syrup contain mercury. Whoa, yeah. one-third? The use of mercury-contaminated caustic soda in the production of high-fructose corn syrup is common, and the con- contamination occurs when mercury cells are used to produce this caustic soda. So... Almost half of tested samples of commercial high-fructose corn syrup contained mercury, which was also found in nearly a third of 55 popular name-brand food and beverage products. And we know that's a neurotoxin. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you don't want mercury in your food. My Lord. The third strike against it. Here is a a study. 
put out by the American Chemical Society at their annual meeting that basically high fructose corn syrup may increase the risk of developing diabetes, particularly among children. And this is because of the astonishingly high levels of something called reactive carbonyls, which are a free radical, type of free radical. This, th- these do tissue damage and may contribute to the development of the disease, especially in children. And there we go. We know childhood obesity is on the rise. Childhood uh, diabetes is on the rise. Right. I mean, look at the food. Yeah, you're pointing it out right there. The, the industry would have you think that there's absolutely no correlation. But when you see the statistics mapped on the same chart, it's, you know, it's it's a dead heat, you know. The, wow. The advent of the, uh, and what, you know, you asked how much is too much of sugar? We can assume that we're having too much because 7.1% of all energy calories consumed by Americans is consumed in the form of soda. Oh, gosh. We have a caller we're going to take here. Okay. So um, welcome, caller. If you'd like to give us your name and the town you're from and your question or comment. Yes. My name is Susan, and I'm from Waldo. Hi, Susan. Hi. I have a couple of questions. Um, One is cocoa nibs. I've tried two different types of cocoa nibs. One was um, bulk from the co-op, and it was just a hard nugget with bitter taste. Mm -hmm. And the other was in a package that somebody had brought from Massachusetts, and it was like it was coated in chocolate, like the hard nub wasn't as hard, and it was coated with chocolate. Mm -hmm. And so what are you talking about when you talk about cocoa nibs? I'm talking about the first one, the one that is a bitter little nugget. Okay. It's not something you eat by itself, really. It's something that you sort of put into your, it's kind of like a, a baking product. You put it into your, uh, uh, you know, your smoothies or your, um, you know, you make truffles out of it. like. Or you make, yeah, the raw food, uh, the raw food yeah. uh, things. Are- right. There's a great um, raw... Um, chocolate cream pie with a, a date crust, a date nut crust. It's made that it's made with cacao nibs and avocado. Am- wow, amazing! <laughs> Is this on a raw food website? Yeah, yeah. The other question I had was, uh, could you say something about? Is it pronounced sukanat? Sukanat. Um, I don't know too much. I'm going to hang up and let you. I'll, I'll listen oh, to the answer. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Susan. Sucanat, I think, is just uh, evaporated cane sugar. That's just sugar natural. Is it, is the, um, it's essentially they're um, squeezing the juice out of the sugar cane plant and evaporating it into a crystallized form. So it's not as refined as white sugar. It still has some of the minerals and nutrients that are in the whole plant. So it's less worse than white sugar, but it's not something I buy. You, you would still, so let me ask you, your, um, your top sugars, it sounds like honey mm-hmm. and maple syrup. Yeah, raw honey. Raw honey. Raw local honey. Yeah. Raw local honey and then maple uh, syrup. main maple syrup. And stevia I use as well. And stevia because of the plant. Those would be the top. Right. Um, we're having a conversation about getting that sugar monkey off your back with Holly Noonan. And um, if you'd like to give us a call, we're at one 625 Nine three seven eight again one eight six 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 two five. We are you W E R U, and we welcome your calls to join us on the conversation. Um, Holly, let's let's look at. Uh, I just want to ask you a question of why do you do this work? What what got you involved in this kind of work? I uh, I. St- 
when I was 14 years old, I developed a chronic, uh, I'm sorry, I, did, I developed an eating disorder. I was bulimic for six or seven years uh, when I was a teenager. When I was 16 years old, I became a vegetarian. And um, I wasn't particularly oriented on food other than being completely freaked out with my relationship with it and being an insane sugar monkey. Oh, my God. I'm going to stop you. We're going to continue that conversation. We have two calls waiting. Okay. Right, go for it. Let's go ahead and take them. Um, hi, welcome to Healthy Options. You want to give us your name and the town you're from, and we'll listen. Yep, my name is Shannon Wine, and I live in Township 32. I'm a blueberry farmer, and I kind of wanted to hear what you thought about molasses. That's kind of an oh, old-fashioned yeah. sweetener that yeah. we tend to use quite a bit, and I know it has a lot of iron in it, but yeah. I'm sure it has bad things about it, too, and I was interested in, in a little more information about that. Blackstrap molasses. Yeah, you know, actually, that I, I use it. I do use it. I should have mentioned that when I put that in my bread. Um, and, and it's because it is just packed with minerals. It is a cane, yeah. it is a cane product, but it's not, it doesn't, for me, trigger the psychoactive, like addictive response in me. It's, it's a uh, whole enough, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's hard to eat too much of it too. Right. Cause it's, <laughs> exactly. yeah, it's it, if you like it, you, you know, it's one of those things that you just really like it and yeah. it, it's like good on peanut butter. It's, good, you know, licorice, really good licorice, good quality licorice yep. has a lot of molasses and yep. I just, well, that makes me feel better. Yeah, I like you, that. <laughs> yeah. You, you, the panda bear licorice. <laughs> well, seriously, when I donate blood, my iron is always right off the top. Oh, wonderful. Like, what do you eat? And I'm like, I think it's the licorice. It's like, you know, it's, I don't know, but that's, that's good to know that molasses isn't bad for you then because no. we do use quite a bit of it. Not, you know, not a lot, but. Right. You know, with honey and maple syrup is certainly my favorite, but mm-hmm. it's also the most expensive this year. They didn't have a very good season. It so. is. I know it. you got to yeah. use it sparingly, just like very our ancestors. Sparingly. <laughs> the more well, expensive I'll, it I'll, is, the more uh, sparingly you use yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I'll go back to listening then. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for your call. Thanks. I forgot about that. Thanks for putting the vote in for Blackstrap Molasses. <laughs> we have another caller here. Welcome. You want to give us your name and the town you're from and your question or comment? Yeah, sure. My name is Shana, and I'm from Morrill. And um, my question is about agave. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently received an email. I get all kinds of emails about alternative issues. Um, and the email suggested that agave is sort of in the category of corn syrup or a processed sugar that you kind of want to avoid. Mm-hmm. And there was sort of all this trend around agave years ago, and everyone was buying it. And I'm wondering um, what what your take is on agave. That's a really good question. I... Um, it, I, when I first heard about it, I thought it was an ancestral food because it is, it is based on a product that was made by the Native Americans in the southwest of this country and in Mexico. Huh. They did make a product that was basically a syrup made from the agave plant, which is also huh. where tequila is made from. So that, right. um, that, um, but the, the modern agave nectar is definitely a marketing thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I basically I, I advocate using it for someone who is trying to get off cane sugar, but okay. it's not something that I use regularly myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you use it, I, I uh, recommend using the raw because it's it's you know it's not bad. It's 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 pretty good stuff. It, it I I don't agree that it's as refined as corn syrup. Okay. Um, especially if you're getting the raw stuff from oh what is that brand? One of I the don't know. one of the it's, I think it's a natural sweeteners brand or something, uh-huh. um, and the darker the color, the better. 
But right. um, for people who are already diabetic or are trying to break uh, break away from cane sugar, agave is a really good transitional food because okay. it doesn't it doesn't spike your blood sugar. It is a right. it, it's a metabolized like a complex like a whole grain. Okay, excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. We have another caller. Welcome. You want to give us your name and the town you're from? Yes, my name is Sandy, and I'm calling from St. George. And uh, you were talking about kombucha, mm-hmm. and um, I'm trying to figure out if you use sugar when you make kombucha. The recipes I've seen all call for sugar. Yeah, you, d- you do use sugar, but it's my understanding, and Holly can correct me if I'm wrong, that because the sugar feeds on that bacteria, or the other way around. Or the, I'm sorry, the bacteria feeds on the sugar, and that's what makes that bacteria grow in there. Okay. That it's, it's not like you're, and, and it kind of, um, it, it gives it a vinegary right. taste and, right. and also the fermentation. So that It does produce a little bit of alcohol. Yeah, and right. that's why they took it off. Right. <laughs> I have to admit, as someone who doesn't drink, I would catch a little buzz from it. <laughs> but I am a little suspicious of the of the um, kombucha that's sweet. Like, why is it sweet? Are, mm. the, are the bacteria working? Because <laughs> yeah. it shouldn't be sweet. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, thank you. You're thank welcome. you. I think we have another caller. Hi, welcome. You want to give us your uh, name and the town you're from? And Good morning. This is Yo in Tremont. I missed part of the show, so you may have touched on this, but I wondered if you could comment on the use of stevia Mm -hmm. as an alternative sweetener. Mm -hmm. My experience, uh, just for a note, was it seemed to increase my blood pressure. Oh, interesting, yeah. But I wondered if you had some other notes on the use of that plant. I, uh, what I said earlier in the program is that it is an ancestral food, that it is a plant from Paraguay that the, uh, that the natives uh, used for millennia, um, and that it is uh, definitely one of, the, one of the sweeteners that I use. I don't use it a whole lot, and I have heard that people who use the refined white stevia can sometimes have digestive distress from it. It's possible to buy the whole stevia, which is um, a liquid sort of molasses brown syrup, uh, which a li- with ha- has a little bit more pungent flavor. Um, how much were you using? A very little. It has a strong sweetening effect. Is there any carbohydrate value to stevia? No, it's a zero-calorie no. sweetener. It's just a flavoring. Right, yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I, that, that's a question probably for a naturopath. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've never heard of that. I don't know. Well, thanks for those comments, and hey, thanks for running the show. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Um, again, if you'd like to give us a call, uh, on, uh, we're taking calls now at 1-866-625-9378, 866-625-WERU. And... We have another caller, so welcome, and if you'd like to give us your name and the town you're calling from. Hi, it's Susan from Surrey. Hi, Susan. And uh, hi, a couple of uh, questions for you. Wondering what your thoughts are about brown rice syrup, and also um, what you would recommend as an alternative to brown sugar as far as, like, for baking apple crisp and things like that. Brown rice syrup is great, often has a little bit of a bitterness to it. So when you're using it and baking, you want to, you know, sort of um, address the bitterness or have it in such a proportion that it's not prominent. Um, And, you know, 
that is getting some sort of feedback here. Um, as far as replacing brown sugar, I am not a baker myself. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know the answer to that question. I don't know. Hello? I think we lost. Oh, there you are. There you are. Oh, so, hi. so okay. So, can you substitute, you know, for things that call for, um, you know, Cairo syrup, uh, which I, I won't, I refuse to buy. Can can you substitute brown rice syrup for that? Yeah, that would be a good substitution. I don't know, Cindy. Do you have any suggestions? For I, I don't know. I was going to say molasses is. Mm -hmm. uh, you can you know bake with molasses right. too. But it's replacing uh, the powdered brown sugar with a, a liquid, which messes up your proportions. Yeah, I. I just look for recipes that use good sweeteners. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I will ask you this: What about turbinado? What, what's your What's your view of that? It's the same as sucanat. You know, it's just evaporated cane juice. It's white sugar with a little bit of minerals in it, but it's it definitely is still strong enough and refined enough to trigger an addictive response and, okay. and spike your blood sugar. And I okay. guess it, I guess does it depend on? Well, I guess if you really want to get the sugar monkey off your back, you want to avoid those other sweeteners mm -hmm. that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. So you would look. You know, I, I, you can find anything online these days, right. and I'll, I'll bet you that there is all kinds of information on how you could substitute it. I'm I'm not a huge baker. I, I don't know. I just had a thought. Um, we it, need in, a baker to call us. I right? know, we do. A baker, yes. please call in. Um, but I, I I have a list of alternative, uh, you know, alternative natural sweeteners on this handout that's on my website. Um, stevia, agave nectar, brown rice syrup, malted barley syrup, xylitol, and Lakanto. Lakanto is a powdered product that is um, sold through bodyecology.com. And that's a powder, so that might be something that would be a good replacement in a baking situation. What's the name of it again? Lakanto, L-A-K-A-N-T-O, and it can be found at bodyecology.com. Lakanto, okay. Sounds good. Oh, thank you very much for your help. You're thank welcome. you. Thank you. Um, again, we're talking about how to get the sugar monkey off your back. Holly Noonan is my guest, and she can be, um, you can find her at uh, uh, www.mindbodynutrition.net and you can email her at holly at mindbodynutrition.net and phone number 975-9442. We have another caller. Welcome. You want to give us the name and the town you're from? Yeah, this is Shannon Lyon calling back and I was responding to your request for a baker and okay. especially about the topping, topping for the apple crisp. Okay. Um, I've, I've used the combination of, of oat oatmeal, oat, and coconut, and you just put a little maple syrup, and you can put a little bit of butter, and if you like, and you just mix it all up and sprinkle it on top of the apple crisp, and it's absolutely delicious. Oh, that's you, can, you can use honey, but maple syrup is the best to have it with. It's nice. Great. Okay, so sort of the maple syrup and the coconut together are kind of the replacement. Well, though. it's more just the, like a cup of oatmeal, a cup of shredded coconut, and then you just put a little, either a little bit of oil, like canola oil, or a little bit of butter to replace that part of it, and then enough maple syrup to just soften it and sweeten it and sprinkle it on top and toast it, and it's absolutely delicious. That sounds that sounds divine, but uh, can I suggest not using canola oil? <laughs> and okay. go, with the, go, with, go with the butter instead, I actually right? use, use butter, so yeah. <laughs> I was trying to be, to be good. But. She's got her Weston Price hat on. She, she wants you to use the butter, not yeah. the canola oil. Okay. You know, Grass-fed butter, if possible. Okay. Extra virgin coconut oil. Would be great. There we, yeah. Hey, thank you for calling back. That yeah, was thanks. great. Okay. Thanks bye -bye. very much. We have another caller, and welcome. If you'd like to give us your name and the town you're from and your comment. Sure, Debbie from Mount Desert Island. 
Hi, Debbie. Hi. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your on maple syrup. I'm sorry. I missed we, we missed you. Say, say that again. If you could tell us a little bit about your thoughts on maple syrup. Oh, thoughts on maple syrup. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I, as uh, I said to an earlier caller, it's expensive, so it encourages you to use it sparingly, which is great. Um, but it's local. It's, you know, even when it's not organic, like what do they do to the trees, really? <laughs> <laughs> and it has uh, a natural uh, vitamin and mineral content, so it's not an isolate. It's a whole food. It's an ancestral food. It's local. It's, by and large, pretty organic. I love it. There you go. Hello? Oh, I think she hung up, so that answered our call. So we're going to um, we're gonna have to wind it up here, Hallie. So mm-hmm. I, I interrupted you early on. I want to finish up with you. You said that um, you got into this work as, as a youngster. You had some uh, food issues yourself right. and then some illness. Right. And then what brought you to what you're doing now? How did you, how did you make that connection, that leap? Well, I did overcome my eating disorder, but when I got sick, I had a chronic illness for seven years, uh, I basically re-triggered my eating disorder, tr- messing with my food. You know, anytime you mess with your food, you mess with your emotions. and, and It's I all had, connected. Oh, man, I had some personal work to do around that. So um, I got through it, and now I'm at a place where I'm really vibrantly healthy. I've got a lot of energy. I have no eating disorder, and I have no chronic illness. And um, and I just really was guided to this work. I had one of those things where, you know, my obstacles evaporated, and this is what I'm supposed to do. Awesome. Yeah, isn't it interesting sometimes through the part where we as individuals have like a, 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 a you know, go through, a you know, that passage of to hell and back, mm-hmm. and yet then that's that the, the burden or whatever it was, the challenge becomes our gift to the world, mm-hmm. and then you can put it out and you can help others, mm-hmm. and you can... Um, and you do that well. Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, in in um, parting words here, why don't you give listeners your website information, your phone number, and then I also heard you're moving your office. Mm-hmm. And so let's use these past few minutes to kind of get people up to speed on that, how they can get a hold of you if they'd like to. Okay. My name, again, is Holly Noonan. I'm a food empowerment counselor. My uh, office is in Camden at 28 Washington Street currently. My website is uh, mindbodynutrition.net. I am going to be moving my office to the new Integrative Health Center in Camden uh, that's going to be founded by Deb Moskowitz, who's a naturopathic doctor, and her partner, Barb McDonald. I will be interviewing both Barb and Deb on my uh, podcast, um, which you can sign up for, to hear about what they do. Um, Deb specializes in um, hormonal stability, and Barb specializes in oncology, naturopathic oncology. So they're both fascinating women, and the center that Deb is founding is going to be something like a a membership where you sort of buy a a gym membership, um, but you have a certain uh, uh, level of access to massage and yoga and cooking classes and uh, consultations and and, um, some of the presentations that they have in their their, um, conference room. So, I mean, it's just a really cool project, and I'm really looking forward to moving in there in the next month or so. Sounds exciting, and I think the area is going to really welcome that. That's it, It's certainly due. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. So I'd like to um, thank you all for listening to Healthy Options. I'd like to thank Amy Brown for engineering our show. And um, 
I just wanted to uh, share with you uh, some parting words here of Holly's. She says, at Mind Body Nutrition, my mission is to be a paradigm shifter to catalyze change in individuals as well as in our culture. May it be so. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you always remember to exercise your healthy options. This is Cynthia Swan. Thanks again to Amy Brown for engineering the show. journal celebrating and supporting life featuring alternative